On today's episode, we talk to Mary Joyce of the band Sewer Kitty. This is The Operative. I'm your host, Chris Williams. So to start off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and all that. Um, so I live in Athens, Georgia. I am a social worker. I do like in-home parenting for families that have been reported for abuse and neglect. Um, I play music. Got a bunch of kids. Yeah, that's kind of the whole tale there. <laughs> and uh, which bands are you in right now? Right now, I'm only doing um, Sewer Kitty with Christian Filey, Philly, Philly, um, and Loretta Adams, um, and then occasionally Ghost and Goat with Erica Rickson. Um, so you wanted to talk about Desert. <laughs> I did. I do generally want to talk about Desarc. <laughs> Just as a general I, statement, I would like to talk about Desarc. Which, which excites me because I, uh, Desarc, uh, I know holds a special place in your heart, but Desarc also holds a special place in my heart. So when, when did you first uh, come across Desarc? I was trying to figure this out the other day, and I think it was 2004. There was a house show going on at this punk house on ACOC. It was like in the basement. And I feel like there was some band that I knew. And I can't remember who it was. Like Cold Sides or Astronaut. Somebody was playing. So I went. And a couple days before, somebody had said, oh, there's band Desert playing. Like you're going to fucking love this band. Like you're going to freak out. It's like, okay, cool. And uh, so I went and was like, <laughs> even back then in my early 20s when I was like at my wildest, I was still pretty much like a rule follower. And this was like crust punks, just like mayhem. And so I was kind of like nervous walking in, but um, really excited to see the bands. And then Desert started playing. And I had never heard or seen anything like that. Like the drummer, he was amazing. He had the biggest kick drum I'd ever seen in my damn life. And it sounded awesome, even though it was in this like basement with a dirt floor. And guitar player and singer, she was so small that like you couldn't see her over the crowd. And so when they first started playing, I just, I mean, I could see the kick drum, but I couldn't see her. (laughs) Like, she started playing and I heard her voice, like her scream over the mic. And I was like, this is, this is everything that I've ever wanted to do is happening right now in front of me. And it was awesome. Like she was all over the place and they had this connection between the two of them. Um, like the songs would speed up and slow down all over the place, but they were just right together. It was 
probably like the most excited I've been at a show ever. Um, and I had been playing drums for a while at that point and saw her play and was like that. I want to do that. That's <laughs> I want to learn how to do that. However you do that. I would like to start learning now. Do you, do you mean like play guitar or to, to just express yourself in, in the way that Amaya does? Um, I mean, I think in my brain at the time, it was like all of the things. I just want to be that. Um, but it started, like that's what made me learn how to play guitar. Um, seeing her play. And I feel like I got the album, went down to, oh God, what was the CD store on Tate Street at that point? So crunchies or Gate City Noise? Gate City Noise, yeah, Andrew Dudek. So I went down, I was like, I saw his band, and I think they're amazing. And he was like, let me tell you all about them. And also, here's the CD. Um, and I ended up, I was, I moved out of Greensboro, like, nine months after that. Um, so I was driving back and forth from, like, Greensboro to Atlanta to Savannah. Um, and I think I listened to that CD on repeat for like six to nine months straight, basically. Um, yeah, it was really good. Uh, the softer, like the quieter acoustic songs. I moved down to Savannah from Greensboro to be a nanny for my nephew when he was three months old. And so the quieter songs were like, I would sing them as lullabies to my nephew to get him to go to sleep. He was a colicky, cranky ass baby. And that was like one of the only things that worked for him. It's like Desarc and Blind Melon. That was it. <laughs> the only thing that put him to sleep. But yeah, I started learning the guitar kind of right then. Nice. So you said you were you were already playing drums. Were you you playing around in bands and? Yeah, I played in a band called Pelagic, um, starting in I guess two thousand yeah. through two thousand four ish. Um, and actually when I saw Desarc, it was kind of a, like our guitar player was moving to Vermont. We weren't planning on continuing the band. I didn't really know what was next. And so it was kind of exciting to be like, Ooh, I'm going to learn how to play guitar and then just start playing guitar in a band. <laughs> See how that goes. Luckily I was never a very good drummer. So I had already had the experience of not being good at the thing that I was doing on stage. Um, and that really helped a lot. <laughs> so how, how quickly did you start playing the guitar after that? Um, really quickly. I think it was like three months later that my brother decided that, that, yeah, three months later was like, they found out they were having a baby and he was like, I'm not playing this guitar anymore of my uncles that my uncle had given him this awesome, like 62 Fender Jaguar. So <laughs> he brought that up to me and I was like, great. Um, Oh no, actually before that I bought <laughs> I bought a guitar off my roommate <laughs> for ten dollars. Um, 
that he had used in like a performance art thing where he had like hung it from a meat hook and set it on fire. So <laughs> it was badly burned, but it still worked. So I started on that. Um, and I've never been very good at, like I can read in, in some notes on a piano, but I don't really, I don't know notes on anything else. Um, so I literally started by like plucking one string and then putting my finger foot somewhere and plucking the next one and seeing what lined up. And like, that's how I came up with chords was like, these four sound fine. Let's go with those four notes. Um, and I think with, within like a year, I was playing in a band, playing guitar and writing songs and stuff. I was determined. I also had a lot of time on my hands. I mean, I, like I was 24, like running a convenience store and working, like bartending at College Hill. Like, <laughs> so you uh, you said you you got to see them at that show. Did did you uh, get to see them at any other place or a couple times? So I think once more before I left North Carolina. Um, and then <laughs> once in Athens at this venue called The Secret Squirrel. Um, and the guitar player, I think, yeah, she had just broken up with the drummer and they had just split ways. And so she had booked this tour and all of a sudden was having to do acoustic stuff. And this is like another kind of step in really admiring the confidence that she was totally comfortable being vulnerable and like losing her shit on stage. And apparently that's what this whole tour was. Like she kind of went from basement to basement, just like losing her mind kind of on stage and processing this breakup. Um, but it was really awesome to see, like to, see someone be so tough and so open and just literally saying like, I am losing my goddamn mind and I'm doing the best that I can right now. And then see a whole room kind of rise up like, yes, do that. Keep doing this. You know, it was really cool. Super cool. And then once, gosh, Eight or nine years ago, I actually got to play with Desarc um, when they came through Athens. And that was super exciting, except for I <laughs> had that thing. You know, when you meet somebody who's kind of really inspired you, but you don't have any kind of relationship whatsoever. And uh, so you just stare at them and make sounds with your mouth. Yeah. That's what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> But it, that's fine. There's no need for her to be impressed. <laughs> she had no context for my attempts at talking at her. <laughs> but yeah, um, so that was really cool. And my a friend of mine, Noah, was playing with her at that point that I had known from Greensboro and from Tiger Bear Wolf. And so it, it was awesome to get to play with them. I wish I had been a little cooler. It's not really my style. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 fairly certain that the the 
the the times that I have spoken to MA, uh, like I, I can't remember what I've said. Um, I because like the the narrative running in my head is she knows who you are. That's crazy. <laughs> and and yeah, I mean we played shoes together. Our our drummer played in Des Arc for a while. So yeah, no, she of course she knows who I am, but but it's still it's yes, it's it's still this starstruck thing where, you know, oh she she's talking to me. And so yeah, no, I I totally understand. <laughs> um seeing like you, you were talking about seeing them in the basement and the energy um and and that inspiring you musically do you do you think the the vulnerability that she kind of exudes like it, vulnerability but but with power to it do you do you think that that also was motivating in any way definitely i mean i think it was aspirationally motivating i don't think i actually like hit that level until maybe like 34 i'm 40 now <laughs> i was like you know 24 when i first started play mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah and i mean also like her songwriting just the lyrics that she's able to be vulnerable in this really plain way like There's this line in a, oh, what is it? Sinjali to Raleigh. I can't remember. I think that's the song. But she's like, the line is, now you're making fun of everybody that I love. And just like, it's so vulnerable. Of like, I can remember experiences like that of like having someone visit. Like, yeah, this person's come to visit. And then they're just shit talking, like everything that you love. And it's an awful feeling. And she was, instead of like talking around it in like metaphors, she's able to just like, this is the thing that sucks. <laughs> and that's basically it. Um, so being vulnerable, but in a really plain, honest way was very inspirational to me. I think, like basically until I started playing in bands in my senior year of college in 2000. Like I listened to the Grateful Dead and All My Brothers and Red Hot Chili Peppers and a little bit of Ani DeFranco and that's it. And so like I knew this kind of storytelling aspect of songwriting. Um, until like when I started playing in bands, people were like, hey, you guys sound like Modest Mouse, who I'd never heard of. So then I kind of delved in. <laughs> I was like, okay, what does that sound like? And just hearing, starting to hear that kind of straightforward vulnerability, but then seeing her and like hearing her lyrics made it make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like that's why you do that. Well, that's, yeah, that's one thing that I've always really enjoyed about her songs that she's, there are specific things that she's 
singing about in different songs that things that I I cannot directly relate to, but I I, I feel like somehow I can like the the I guess the the effect of like what she has been going through or what she's gone through like I can relate to to feeling that way feeling devastated or or just yeah if that makes any sense I don't know yeah I have to say that like <laughs> it's crazy because Desarc is probably my favorite band of all time but I only have Loose Lips Sing Ships like that I only have that one album and that's all I listen to and I think it's because it hit me so hard that anything else was anything after that was just kind of there's no way to gain that feeling again right. you know <laughs> so I didn't want to like ruin it by <laughs> listening to other stuff i have been a little bit in the past week <laughs> just trying to kind of like what's actually happening with desarc in the past 10 to 15 years i don't know um but yeah there was just something i think it was just the right time and the right music and it was also one of the first bands that i heard so like around you know 2000 to 2004 at least in north carolina um there was like a lot of focus on math rock um, and kind of pop from like twee, which I mean, I ended up in a math rock, like double drum instrumental band, but <laughs> I enjoyed that stuff, but it didn't really like hit me hard. Um, but Desert was one of the first bands that I heard at the time incorporating blues riffs into this kind of post-punk thing that really, kind of tapped into all the things I loved about Allman Brothers and like all those bands um, that I grew up with. And so getting to hear that in this new context, being like, oh, that, <laughs> like I want to play those kind of riffs. I'm not really interested in the noodly weird seven, eight stuff. Like <laughs> it's fun. I don't want to play it, but like hearing that was really exciting. Oh, I can bring all of that in. To the music I don't have to it's not like some shameful southern background I got <laughs> like I could I can play that too it was really cool so were you when you when you started playing guitar did you immediately start writing songs or did that kind of take a little while to come together kind of immediately yeah um the band that I started playing guitar in Fist Fight, like we, <laughs> we had a joke that every song was in D because, and, well, not a joke because it was actually true, but it was still funny because <laughs> that's basically all the chords I could figure out. You know, I could like basically like move this thing, these fingers up and down and make it work. Um, but yeah, I started writing really fast and wrote a lot really quickly. Um, we were together for just a little over a year before I moved. They continued on after I moved, but just about a year or so before I moved and we were able to like write and record nine song album. Um, so yeah, it came really fast when it came. I wish it was still like that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
when when you were starting to write, were you trying to pull from similar subject matter that that Amé was writing from, or were you just like doing completely your own thing? I would say the subject matter was definitely my own thing. Like I was working at an animal shelter at the time, so I had like songs about euthanizing animals and carrying heads to Raleigh. It's just, um, yay. <laughs> um, but I would say like I was trying to draw on the kind of time changes and like chord progressions that she had done. And definitely I was attempting, attempting to hold that kind of praise, like stage presence of just my thought at the time <laughs> uh, was just act as if, like act as if I own this stage, act as if I'm super confident in my guitar playing. I was not I'm like super confident in my voice, which I was not. Um, but just act as if, and it, I mean, it was fun. I don't know if it worked. I don't really care, <laughs> uh, but it was really fun. And I learned so much so fast. Do you still kind of try to carry that through even now, like trying to, to hold that presence and not as much anymore. Um, I mean, now that I'm older, I'm, and I've been on stage for so long, I'm so much more comfortable just being instead of trying to kind of play a character, I guess. Um, but at the same time, I'm also really comfortable like being very vulnerable. So there are certain songs that like make me cry on stage and Whereas before, when I was trying to like own the stage or be this presence, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have performed a song like that. But now I'm kind of good with it. I'm also older, and so I can't jump around or flail around as much as I used to. Yeah, it it, it does get a little tougher. <laughs> um. So well, yeah, no, that, that's interesting to me because yeah, I, um, I've seen you perform a number of times, and yeah, no, you, you, you definitely seem very, very confident on stage, and I've, I've seen you play drums, and you're uh, quite a skilled drummer. So, uh, so yeah. Well, thank you. Did so? Did you keep? I assume, well, since I've seen you play drums before, then you, you continued to also play drums as well. A little bit, yeah. Um, well, yeah. So when I moved to Athens, um, I tried forever to get a band. And I couldn't make it happen. I ended up actually, like, putting up flyers in town, like, hey, drummer, looking for a band. And... Uh, Ended up like trying out for Mandy Branch's band at the time that she had with her ex-husband and it did not go well, but we ended up being friends. Um, and I tried to be in a band with Erica Strout and that didn't work out. And so a friend of mine was like, hey, my friend Jason Roach just moved to town from New York. He's an incredible guitar player. 
needs a band you guys should play um so he came over and i was like i haven't played the drums in two years let's do this and it turns out he's like the best technical guitar player of all time ever <laughs> and also had this incredible backlog of all this math rock stuff so i kind of relearned how to play drums uh, we practiced six days a week for like nine months until both of us ended up getting lives but uh <laughs> yeah so it kind of came back then um but then finally like ended up playing with Erica Strout and Mandy Branch um, and Erica Rickson in Incendiaries. I tried to play drums for Incendiaries, but that also did not work. So, <laughs> so I went back to guitar. So, so, yeah, when you were working on the Maxim Busy, Busy Muscle stuff, were you still keeping up with guitar and writing songs? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was a little, can't, I lost the word, I'm so sorry. I was trying to figure out like kind of a one woman show kind of thing for a while with like an air organ and some different stuff, but still writing, yeah. Got really into the piano, so writing on the piano for a while at that time. Um, which is kind of great because it's easier for me to write lyrics on a piano and then just shift it over to the guitar. So, uh, to go to go back to Desert, do you you said that 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 first album was the one that really got you? Which the that first album, oddly, I it was just a. I, I love that first album so much, and it's I, fucking ridiculous. I, I could listen to it. At, almost any time um and the sense memory that i have with that is painting murals in this uh tutoring place like i i i was commissioned to paint some murals and i just like brought that cd and i just listened to it over and over and over again and desperately wanted maple stave to sound like desert <laughs> oh wow yeah um that's interesting yeah, it, and then it was a little weird when Evan was playing drums, it, like to to come in with a riff that sounded a little like dark, <laughs> and it's like eh, I don't. Know. That's, that's probably not cool. I, I, you know. um, yeah, maybe if you play this little shuffle beat, sort of like you play on this Desert song, and uh, but uh, um, but but yeah. So you you still do you, do you still connect with that album? Do you still listen to it oh my god so much i think it was like a year or two ago a year a year ago almost exactly when i realized that my husband had never heard des arc <laughs> like we got a babysitter and like went out and came home late and was like oh you know like des arc he's like what i was like shut your mouth <laughs> so we are going on a des arc youtube rabbit hole right this second i cannot believe we haven't had this conversation yet like how are we married how do we get married and we haven't talked about desert yet what the hell <laughs> so i subjected him to that but yeah i think it's probably at least once every four months 
I'll, I'll be like, oh, I need to hear that right now <laughs> and listen to it again. Nice. <laughs> I think it's been a little while for me. I listened to uh, some of it on a mix a while back, but uh, yeah. I don't know, we, we also had the benefit of, we, we got to play with Desarc. Uh, we opened for Shipping News a long time ago now. And uh, the lineup was us, Desarc, and Shipping News. And that, that has to be, that it might be the favorite, my favorite show that we've ever played. Um, just to see like all of that happen in one night. Yeah, I feel like I might have been there. I have a really, really bad memory of like when things happened or who was there. I just remember how it felt at the moment. Um, but yeah, shipping news, I feel like is one that I was there for. You said, uh, sewer kitty, you don't have anything, uh, available right now for other stuff that you've been a part of. Where can people find that, uh, online <laughs> or, or, or in there? Are you aware of your band's music? I am not. Um, so incendiaries is on Facebook. That's probably the easiest. Shitty Candy and the Circus Peanuts, it's out of a lot of people's wheelhouse, but I highly recommend it. And that is on YouTube, so just Shitty Candy and the Circus Peanuts. There's an album somewhere, I have no fucking idea. Maximum Busy Muscle, definitely on Facebook and Bandcamp. Thank you so much for doing this, Mary, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, I would love to talk about this art anytime, just about anybody. The Operative is produced in conjunction with Radio Nope. For more information, visit radionope.com. And find all of our past episodes at theoperative.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening.